Welcome back to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. We want you to get healthy and stay healthy with help from evidence-based advice from our physicians, healthcare providers, and researchers. What is postpartum depression and what are the mental health needs for someone who is pregnant? Dr. Sarah Wakefield, Chair of the Department of Psychiatry in the School of Medicine, answers those questions for us and also describes for us PeriPan, a recently launched phone-based consultation offering guidance, case management, training, and education to providers. She also tells us what we can do to support those struggling with postpartum depression and why it is important that we do offer them support. Dr. Wakefield, welcome back to our podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at the Health Sciences Center? Sure. Thanks for having me. I'm Sarah Wakefield. I'm the chair of the Department of Psychiatry within the School of Medicine. Well, again, welcome back to our podcast. You are here to talk to us about PeriPan. What are some mental health needs of someone who is pregnant? What are not mental health needs of, of someone who is pregnant? I, I think mental health is so important all of the time, and especially when you are growing a baby, a developing being whose neurological system and neuroregulation and brain is dependent on the health and well-being of you. So I would say the mental health needs of a pregnant woman are to be mentally healthy and to have really great well-being, if at all possible, during that time. Well, what is postpartum depression and how many are affected? So postpartum depression, by definition, is depression that it onsets in that postpartum period. So after delivery of a baby, it is somewhat of a misnomer because some things that are captured in the postpartum period actually started before delivery. About a third of depression actually is pre-existing prior to delivery or prior to even pregnancy that we capture in the postpartum period. About a third begins during pregnancy and about a third onsets really in that postpartum period for the first time. But often because of how we screen and um, women much more frequently and how women talk about those emotional needs much more frequently post-delivery. We call a lot of different things postpartum depression that may have actually onset prior to delivery of the baby and even prior to pregnancy. When we look at how many people are affected, it's about one in seven if you're just looking at depression. About one in seven women who are pregnant suffer with postpartum depression, which is at least twice as common as gestational diabetes. It's one of the most common complications of pregnancy. When you look at all maternal mental health conditions, especially including anxiety and substance use disorders, we're looking at one in five or even less than that. So it's affecting quite a few women and one of the most common complications that we see of pregnancy and delivery. Can you tell us what are the symptoms? You know, really kind of a prolonged feeling of hopelessness, isolation, despair, 
I think you know, we always like to make sure that we're not diagnosing depression or baby blues as depression. So about 80% of women, which is a really high number, have a period of dysphoria after delivery. And it's really this estrogen coming crashing down. So it's a hormonal change where when estrogen, as estrogen goes, so does your serotonin. So when estrogen is crashing down, your serotonin is crashing down as well. And so many, many women the majority of women after delivery, after when they're experiencing that estrogen crash, are also experiencing a serotonin crash that makes them feel dysphoric and moody and sad and weepy and all of those things. And that's actually a pretty normal phenomenon. That is not depression. That is that is um, this postpartum estrogen crash that often we refer to as baby blues. That name came about before we actually knew biologically exactly what was happening with the serotonin. Um, so I would I would call it more a normal phenomenon of, of post-delivery, uh, of hormonal change and how your body's just reacting to that. Um, so that is not depression. It usually lasts those symptoms like one to two weeks, and then those hormones normalize. Depression lasts longer than that. Depression is this feeling, you can have some of the same symptoms of dysphoria and weepiness, not feeling, you know, feeling like I don't have the skill set for this, I'm overwhelmed, but it, it really is this feeling, I explain depression as a concept of kind of thinking through mud or everything is very effortful. It's hard to get the energy to do things. You usually see associated symptoms that we call neurovegetative symptoms, like and appetite changes, drastic sleep changes, either sleeping too much or not being able to sleep, eating too much or not being able to eat, feeling really guilty about things that it doesn't make sense for you to feel guilty about, feeling isolated and hopeless and helpless, having those kinds of those symptoms prolonged over time. Not the feeling of, oh my gosh, this is a big responsibility to have this baby and I'd like some help. That's a completely normal feeling um, postpartum, but really feeling like there's no way on earth that I can do this because I don't have the energy. I can't take care of myself. I can't think through what this um, baby needs. I can't even take care of myself. Those are more indicative of a depressed state, especially when it's prolonged beyond that one to two weeks. So let's say someone is feeling like this for longer than two weeks. What sort of treatment will they get? Well, it depends. I think, you know, first, it's, it's really interesting. We have seen their intervention programs that decrease postpartum depression. And the basis of the intervention is social and emotional kind of support, being able to reach out to people, have people come help you. So it depends. Like most things, depression, your hormonal state, your neuroendocrine state, and these neurotransmitters is a continuum. So some people are having, you know, after they had that crash of serotonin, it's taking a while for their serotonin to regenerate, but with social support and being able to get outside in the sunshine and do some exercise will really support that serotonin resurgence. Some people have a much slower progression towards their serotonin resurgence, and some people have a genetic predisposition to not being able to really reformulate that serotonin on their own, and they're going to need some medication that helps them, or they're going to benefit from some medication that helps their brain produce more or actually have more serotonin available. And, and that's a medication intervention. And, and But that's really how I want to think about it. Like, do you need serotonin support? Or everybody needs serotonin support. Do you need, you know, is the sunshine and exercise enough? We know that can boost serotonin. Is that enough for your brain to do that? I think that we should all try that first. You know, take a walk outside with the baby, get in, in the sunshine 
online. Do some exercise if your body is in a state that that is comfortable to you. Get some social support. Reach out to people. But if that's not making a difference or if you truly do not have the energy, you know, your body is feeling so depressed, your serotonin is so low that you don't have the energy to do that. Then we want to do additional things. And there are group interventions, actually Postpartum Support International has online group interventions for free for women. And it's great. You can really find a community of people who are postpartum that are experiencing things like you are and and share that experience. And so sometimes that sharing really helps people kind of normalize what's going on and normalize how they're feeling and give their brain and body some time to facilitate that serotonin resurgence. And then, like I said, there are some some brains that are just not going to make that serotonin on their own fast enough, right? And, and why suffer when you don't need to? It is critically important that we support moms in this time period because they have a lot of work to do. They are helping their babies' brains develop and learn how to neuroregulate themselves. And those frontal lobes are growing in those babies. And moms need to have the energy to be attentive to that little one and take care of themselves. Um, so it's critically important. And sometimes that that our brains won't generate serotonin like that on their own, or it's just taking a really long time. So it would be a great idea to take these wonderful new medications that we have. They're not even new. They've been around a long time, but to help our brains get that serotonin support that we need. Why is it important to discuss mental health with your OB-GYN physician? Well, for many people, and and many people are seeing family medicine physicians or midwives for their obstetric care as well. So I would say whomever is helping you through that process and seeing you, that is the clinician you're seeing the most often. Right when I was pregnant, that is who I, we became best friends almost. Right, I mean, I don't know that the, my OB would feel like that, but I felt like that. That they are who I'm going to ask all of these questions of. That I'm going to go to for care. I'm seeing them quite frequently, more than I've ever seen any other doctor or other clinician. And so that's who you're seeing. It is not, you know, we don't want to create more appointments and more things for you to do. We want you to be able to go in that space where you're getting that frontline care and say, hey. I'm feeling like this. That's part of your care. That is, like I said, it's the most common complication of pregnancy and postpartum. It's not something that we should shy away from or say, oh, I have to go to this other specialist. Talk with that person who is dedicated to your health and well-being during that pregnancy and postpartum period about how you're feeling. This is a part of your whole health. Your mental health is critically important to your whole health. So what is PeriPan and how does it work? Great question. So PeriPan is our name. It stands for Perinatal Psychiatry Access Network, and it is our name for a hotline for a clinician-to-clinician consultation. And there are many, many states who are implementing these hotlines for clinicians to call. They started actually in Massachusetts for pediatricians to call about children who are being seen in their offices with mental health distress. And Texas launched a line like that one for children called Child Psychiatry Access Network, or CPAN a couple of years ago through the Texas Child Mental Health Care Consortium. 
And through this funding, we now have 12 funded access centers through different health sciences centers, TTUHSC being one in Lubbock. And we provide a child and adolescent psychiatrist Monday through Friday, eight to five, for anyone who's walking into a pediatrician or family medicine doc's office, other frontline clinician who says, hey, this kid is suffering with mental health distress and I'm not quite sure what to do. I don't know where to send them. I think they need a, a referral or I have a medication question you can get through and talk with the child psychiatrist. So PeriPan is the extension of that service through the Texas Child Mental Health Care Consortium for clinicians who are serving pregnant and postpartum women. And there are four pilot sites. Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center is one of those pilot sites. And our hope is that in the next legislative session, we'll be able to expand PeriPan just like CPAN statewide with 12 access centers. So if someone is perhaps... Uh, has po- postpartum depression, can they ask their healthcare provider about this or is, can they reach out themselves? So great question. PeriPan is, just like CPAN, is a clinician-to-clinician consultation service. So we're building a website that will have both clinician-focused or centered resources and patient-focused resources. But the actual hotline is for that OB or family medicine doc or midwife, someone who is, is participating and providing that care for the woman to reach out and get additional support in the mental health care aspects of that care delivery. So the woman can absolutely, that patient can absolutely talk with their their clinician and say, hey, I'm really suffering with depression. And if that clinician says, I'm not really sure what to do, they can say, hey, I heard about this sor- this resource, PeriPan, that you can call. But our hope is that they don't have to do that. Our hope is that we reach out to the clinicians who will be providing this care and say, we're here for you. If you have a question about the mental health care of your patient, then we want to help you answer that question. It may be a referral, where to send them for care. It may be a medication question, but we want to help you in that care and that we do a good enough job telling them that the service exists, that it doesn't have to be the patient um, going there saying, hey, I heard about this service, but, but they're absolutely able to do that. Why is it important to screen for maternal mental health in women? Well, it's the most common thing that happens in pregnancy and postpartum is really is a very common complication. And it's critically important to the development of that baby Um, and and the um, mother's feeling that she's doing a good job and an adequate job, which is also critically important to the health and well-being of that baby. So I think, you know, when we screen and when we screen universally and repetitively, we send the message that this is common and that can reduce the stigma in and of itself. Let's see, for example, someone might not recognize it in themselves or just kind of be in denial. What can loved ones do if they see a pregnant or new mom struggling? Well, I think they can say it. I think they say, hey, it, you know, I, I see you. And I think they can also say it's really common, it's really normal, it's really typical to feel overwhelmed right now. And, you know, if they have a, a personal experience, that's always helpful to share, kind of normalizing it for that mom. Like, hey, this is what happened after I delivered, or this is how I felt when I was pregnant. I think those are really helpful. We live in this society and this culture where everything is shiny and pretty and Instagram and social media and all of these things, which can be super fun 
and exciting. But what it does often is send this message that everything looks like that all the time, that it's supposed to look like this magazine cover, that everything looks cute and good. And I think the message we need to be telling moms is that you're supposed to need help. We're designed to do this together. We're designed this to do to, to do this as a society and a culture, not isolated in your house, not reaching out for help. So I think the first thing is to just try to normalize that part of it as much as possible. I, I like to say to moms, we were designed to live in tribes. We were not designed to do this by ourselves in a house where when we walked out the door, we made it look perfect with our baby bag and our, you know, matching outfit or whatever it was that we were designed that when we were overwhelmed or when we were having trouble nursing, that we passed that baby off to somebody else. And then someone came and took care of us. And as a society, I really think it's critically important that we say that message and that we do that together. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Just that this is the very most important thing I think we can do for both women's mental health, but also for children's mental health, is taking care of the people who are helping those children develop and that there are so many ripple effects to taking care of those people who are pregnant and postpartum and that it is it is just critically important. And I want to say thank you for being able to talk about this and tell this story, but also to every clinician who does this work, every organization that serves um, pregnant women and, and postpartum families and really supports that family, that it is critically important work. And we have a lot of work to do, but Perry Pan is a great step for our state. Thanks again for coming on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or your healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and produced by Tierra Castillo, Susanna Cisneros, Mark Hendricks, and me, Melissa Whitfield. <laughs>